Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright from the Next Real Film Podcast. Today, we are talking about Minute 14, which begins with I Want You and ends with Steve's accidental pitch to Erskine. Joining us on the show today from Season 2, it's Kyle Olson, and from Season 3, it's Rob Cabosco. I'm still here. Pick a service, pick a challenge, set yourself apart. Never mind, sorry. I got really into the theme of this episode, yeah. and then I... St- <laughs> it was most important to me all week that Rob sing something. I see, so that's what I forgot. I, I wasn't ready, last I wasn't ready last, last yeah. yesterday, the other episode, now no. I'm ready. We got it. Apologies. We got it. You got to catch him off guard. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Like, yeah. he, he's got to just right. kind of like do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. So we see finally what caught Steve's eye. It is a very well lit Uncle Sam. It is the I want you for the U.S. Army enlist now poster. This, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. This is such an iconic image. This poster, Uncle Sam. Uh, this is J.M. Flagg's 1917 poster design. And I didn't know this. It's actually based on Lord Kitchener's poster from 1914, a British poster with a British soldier pointing. He, it says, Britons want you. Join your country's army. God save the king. Stealing stuff from England is a long American tradition. <laughs> that's what we do. Let another thing we've stolen. Saying, uh, no, that, that's ours now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like half of our system of government. No, no, yes. we came up with that was ours. <laughs> but we make it all rock. But we make it better. It's the American way, gentlemen. <laughs> it's a, it is the American way. Sorry, everybody. <sighs> Uh, but the iconic version is from J.M. Flagg, James Montgomery Flagg. Outside of this poster, do any of you have an impression of Uncle Sam, or is it this poster? <laughs> Wait, are we doing impressions now? No. <laughs> um, I, I think, I, well, just as from, from nerd lore, I think it's interesting that there actually is an Uncle Sam character in D.C. Like, there really was, in World War II, there was a guy running around, like... As Uncle Sam, like, you know, punching out Nazis, but uh, it never really made it over into the Marvel side of things. I'm surprised, but with Captain America, it would have been perfect to have Uncle Sam helping out at some point. The thing is, he's so angry. Well, he's motivated. He's, <laughs> well, motivated. he's, he's stern. He's stern. He's disappointed that you haven't joined up. <laughs> I prefer the Bill Murray version. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> What I found interesting looking up Uncle Sam, uh, there were actually uh, a few other characters also that Uncle Sam represents uh, the symbol of the American government and American culture and patriotic emotion, um, more so the government. But there was also a female figure, and she's named Columbia, and she represents the United States as a nation. And then there's an uh, ar- a, an archaic, an older version of a character called Brother Jonathan, who represented the American populace. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And, and like Uncle Sam is the only one that I really ever knew about. So it was interesting to learn that there were some other uh, characters out there in various points of American history. Or did it, are any of you familiar with Columbia or Brother Jonathan? No, but I'm about. To, but I think I'm about to pitch this story to Hollywood. I'm about to do a, a, a gritty reboot of these characters. I was just going to ask, what do we know about Columbia? Columbia, uh, she first appeared in 1738, and uh, sometimes was also associated with Lady Liberty. 1738. Yeah, 1738. She first appeared. It was actually pre-U.S. They they called her Columbia. And um, yeah, I'm not really sure 
kind of what her what her role was. Um, it's just yeah, female national personification of the United States, also a historical name applied to the Americas and to the New World. The associate the association has given rise to the names of many American places, objects, institutions, and companies, including the District of Columbia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually interesting looking at her at these, you know, just an image search of these. You know, they've got some with the flag in one hand and a sword in the other. But the one I like uh, the most right now is this uh, Paul Starr version of it where she's she, <laughs> she has completely destroyed the flag in order to make a dress out of it. So we thought that was a joke in the last flag three days. Code. It's no, not it's a wrong. joke. Right here on yeah. Flag Day, flag she would do that? Come on. On Flag Day. She's made a flag hat. She's sewn together a flag hat, uh, but she does have her arms outreached. Instead of just pointing at me, I want you for the for the, you know the U.S. Army. She has her arms outreached, like welcome, you know, come on in, come on in. I feel like she wants to give me a hug. It's actually quite lovely, isn't it? Uh, you know, you know what it's lovely about it. It's she. It's like she's got a nightcap on. It's very pajama. <laughs> she was. <laughs> it, it is. It really is. It's she does like, it look is. tired. She's like, you just, why are you knocking on my door? Okay, come in, but shut up. Early, that's early, what, that's early, what her face says. You can sleep century. on the couch. Early 18th just, century. Just, yeah. This is what we have. Yeah. Come in. Be real quiet. Mama's got to go back to bed. Yeah. Where have you been? Right. Right. I called everybody. I was, I've been waiting up for you. <laughs> I still love you, though. Give me a <laughs> yeah. hug. Now you're grounded. Go to your room. That's exactly what this is. Columbia is grounding us for all the trouble we've been causing. (laughs) And then there's Uncle Sam who wants to yell at us. Uh, Yes, this poster, this JM flag, uh, iconic image of Uncle Sam, I just feel like it's just burned into everybody's brains because this poster, this image, this pointing figure pointing at us uh, saying, I want you to join the army. It's just so burned in. And I mean, it's it's become like almost a joke you can look at early looney tunes and they incorporate this kind of gruff uh uncle sam character into some of those early cartoons and it's it just became such a thing and uh i kind of i kind of love that i don't know much about james egg m uh flag he created this poster to recruit for world war one so i think That whole thing, um, you know, we're going to talk about some of these other images in here in this uh, place where Steve is going to go because it's all about recruitment and drawing people in and and using art to do so. And I I will say this, the the look of this painting, I've always found just so iconic, kind of the, the, I, I don't know if it's watercolor or what, but I just love the look of it. Um, and it's very, as I said, it's very well lit. It's got the recruiting arrow pointing off to the right. It's flag day. We've got a couple American flags, uh, pointing the way as well. And this is what catches Steve's eye. And of course, uh, you know, he's not as interested in Howard Stark and what's going on. This is where we have Bucky kind of, uh, turn around. He says, uh, you know, he's trying to talk to Steve at this point. He says, uh, Hey, Steve, what do you say? We treat these girls. And he realizes Steve's not there. An interesting moment in the script. In the script, we actually have uh, Steve um, give his bag of peanuts to the little girl who's standing behind him, and then he walks out of frame. When we cut to Bucky and he turns to look for Steve, who's gone, we're over the shoulder of a little girl. And at first I was like, that's a very odd, like, over-the-shoulder angle to get of some child as Bucky turns. And my hunch is that they actually shot this where we actually probably have footage of this little girl holding Steve's bag of peanuts, but they just decided they didn't need it. And so, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. Did any of you notice the little girl's shoulder we're looking over? Well, because I think you see her eye in the shot just before it, 
right. Like if the, you if you look at those very yes yeah. yeah right right she's and she's it, kind it, of it right turns out it. it's Wednesday Adams <laughs> she's actually a, she has the ponytails to be Wednesday why yeah. would you cut that I know <laughs> I I I would guess that they were just trying to move the story forward faster you know one of those things it's, no but that even cements even more how nice he is and altruistic like he he's gonna give his peanuts to the little girl like what <laughs> yeah because you you can see his head moving just very. He's like hiding behind bodies. You see his ears yeah. moving off into the oh, distance. That would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> it's yep. a, it's yeah, it's it's kind of a, a you know, it's one of those things that they cut. You know, it's it is kind of a bummer. I'd love to see the footage. I'd love to have that girl credited. You know, there are things that it would be nice to kind of see included, but yeah. but alas, uh, alas, we don't get that here. So that's uh and then and then you know we're at the recruitment center as steve is I going in, so much <laughs> well as he's going in we, we cut to the uh exterior of this big uh united states armed services recruitment office here at the uh at the expo and what's the most important thing in this the guy, the guy on, on stilts. stilts yes it's the guy on <laughs> talk, talk about the guy on stilts Pete. i don't even I, what do you say about stilts more movies need guys on stilts this but who is, is the it, ultimate Pete? promotional who is it? Tra- oh i don't know uh, let me give let me get the name hold on it's uncle sam i don't care what the actor is it's uncle sam good luck good luck finding the actor who's the okay. stilt walker I, <laughs> sam uncle sam <laughs> sam yeah, he's not. He's uncredited. <laughs> uh, yes, it is Uncle Sam. He's wearing giant again, just a tragedy of flag material in his costume. <laughs> the longest stripes pants uh, that you could possibly see. Big long tails, but he's up there. The stilt mm-hmm. guy. He is a he is a pro, but he does have a cane. Which is minus two demerits. <laughs> Rob, doesn't this guy also then show up in Ghostbusters? Answer the call. Oh, <laughs> he's dead then. But yeah, I mean yeah. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah it's for the forties. I mean, it's, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of crazy, right? That's a, that's an odd call. That's an odd callback. <laughs> that's an all. Yeah. Uh, you, the the thing is about stilts. They I I don't really know much about the, uh, the history of stilts, but what I know is you can buy now. Stilts are are not used just as a promotional tool. They're functional, functional purpose for stilts. You can get some nice solid stilts to walk around on in the construction industry, for example. You can get some very rugged stilts if you need stilts, and they're not. I mean, they're you know two sixty, three fifty. I've been shopping around for some stilts. I'm just I'm not gonna lie. My my Google search is, is awash with stilts. I miss guys on stilts as a promotional tool, and I love that they're here. Well, there is also a, a longstanding Marvel villain called Stiltman. <gasps> he, he has fought both Dear me, what, what, Daredevil what and Spider-Man. Which I, would, I would imagine he has what is his power? Uh, He has stilts. <laughs> no, his power is basically, he, it's, yeah, it's, kind of, it's a whiplash thing. He has a, a metal suit and very long legs. So his his gimmick is that he robs tall buildings. So <laughs> no, it's not you're making that up. No, right now. He, seriously, that's this the idea. like uh, he walks up to the buildings, and so he like robs the thirtieth floor by just being that tall, and he gets in there. <laughs> They're actually, and if you're looking, and if you don't want to, if your if your family doesn't like like, um, maybe maybe Pete shouldn't be on stilts. You can buy a stiltman figure. Like like about a year or two ago, they put out a new Marvel Legends stiltman figure, and and 
the bonus thing is if you buy the other figures in that series, there are longer legs, so you can make your stilt man oh taller and taller and taller. He's out there. That is fantastic. Yeah, he's still around. I'm looking at it right now. He is. He's he's, he's a handsome legit, dude, right? A, dare, a daredevil Spider-Man villain. Yep. Just get some buckets so and some duct tape. He's and you can. <laughs> you guys, he's. T- he is legitimate. Like looking yes. at his picture, and I am, I am gobsmacked. He's yeah. taller than a building. Oh yes, oh yes, yeah. This is this is not what a he needs. To, he needs to upgrade to those jumping stilts. Have any of you seen those jumping stilts? The, kind of those those yes. crazy things that like uh, Ren Fair and Cirque du Soleil. Yes, right. <laughs> all those different places. Those things are nuts. Like you see people jumping around on those things. I mean, it's it's insane what they do. Uh, I mean, it's very cool, but um, I, that seems more <laughs> useful. <laughs> For a villain to possibly be bouncing around on those rather than just long, tall stilts. Hey, Rob, take us home. All right, you know that archaeological ruins and texts show that stilt walking was practiced as early as ancient Greece, as far back as the 6th century B.C. (laughs) Hey, everyone. There's not a whole lot that happens this minute. And so... (laughs) No, I'm kidding. We get to the good stuff. Hey, whatever. All right. Uh, yeah, I just, meanwhile, I'm looking for, do we have any, uh, is there any supervillain named Pogo? Because that'd be a oh, cool name. No, but there is. Villain. Also, nothing going on this minute. <laughs> there is a kangaroo. There's like, a, there's a Marvel, a, a Spider-Man villain called the kangaroo, and his power is, he's Australian and he can jump really high. <laughs> of course. Hey, they of say course. that about you, Andy. <laughs> It's, it's yeah it actually they do it's funny okay what? so we're back in the recruitment well, we go okay. inside no 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 before we go inside i want to go inside. one thing we have to talk about that we have we've mentioned the monorail and of course i my brain always goes to simpsons as soon as as soon as monorails are ever brought up it's monorail, monorail, monorail <laughs> that's more monorail. of a shelbyville idea <laughs> <laughs> monorails uh rob do you have happen to have history about monorails should i pass this over to you outside of the debacle in las vegas about 15 years ago no (laughs) no (laughs) monorails uh, possibly have been around since 1897 there's a german engineer eugene langen who uh, called an elevated railway system with wagons suspended he called it a monorail and uh it's it's one of these things that they've been around and I, I don't know. I feel like Disney is the one who really uh, popularized it. I, I guess back in Russia, they had them in 19 or 1820. It was a prototype that they had invented. It, it basically, it looks like a train. And then they just moved all of the wheel uh, mechanisms into the middle. And it actually looks like it's constantly going to tip over. It doesn't look like something that was designed to stay up. But I feel like Disney really popularized it. And I feel like it always circles back to this particular uh, World's Fair because, uh, I mean, like you see like in Tomorrowland and stuff like that. It's like this is where they were kind of displaying these sorts of things. And I, I love this, uh, the, the history of these as they tie into places like World Fairs. And I love the the fact that we have it here, just kind of moving around. It's a it's a fun little nod that they throw in to uh, to this particular scene. Yes, I have ridden several Disney monorails. I, one of my things I really enjoy is not, a little bit in Disneyland, but out in Disney World, that is one of the major ways to get around uh, between several of the parks. Uh, do I own an entire album of music about monorails? Why, yes, I do. Thank you for asking. It's called <laughs> Music to Ride Monorails by. <laughs> And let me play album. some of that right now. Of no, no, we're not allowed to play any of that. But I do. I actually own a thing. There, have you ever ridden in the uh, the the front of a monorail? Yes. 
Yes, I was yeah, lucky enough I, to actually ride in the front. It's it's a whole different experience when you I have that too. big glass. It is. It's great. I, I I really wish that's one of those like future technology things. I wish I'd caught on more. I wish I didn't have to go all the way down to Orlando or to Anaheim to ride a monorail. All right, so that's the monorail. Uh, again, a fantastic, a fantastic uh, ad that we have here. Um, before we go into the recruitment center, we have a few posters on the wall, Kyle. Um, you had something to say about these posters. So, uh, as, I, as I alluded to earlier in the week, uh, yeah, as, as we know, many of the creators who, who worked on Marvel Comics uh, were also serving in World War II, and Stan Lee was one of them. So Stan Lee, when he joined up, um, he uh, was not really fit for service. They didn't really want him on the front line. So he actually was in the promotional department. So he not only was writer, but he was also an artist as well. And he actually made a bunch of the posters that, now, not, not necessarily these ones, but he actually made a bunch of those posters that you see, and one of the famous ones that he was very proud of at the time is when soldiers would go overseas, um, they would somehow, you know, they would sort of end up fraternizing with local people. They might end up in houses of ill repute, uh, and they might end up bringing back to the barracks things that they didn't intend to. So one of the posters that Stan Lee was very proud of making was an American soldier holding his thumb up, and the tagline was, VD... Not me. <laughs> I, uh, if ever I wanted a Stanley original, boy, have I tried to find that poster. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I have not found it yet. Oh, that's good. So the, there, well, there are three posters outside. None of these are actual Stanley Lee references, no. though, right? No, okay. not as far as I'm, I'm aware. But he did a bunch of them, but that was one of the ones that he said that he was particularly proud of. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, we do have, let me do the talking. We have one that I can't see all of it because someone's covering it most of the time, but it just says ready at the top. And then there's another one. And at first I thought this might be the one you're talking about, but no, but it looks like there's a, a female figure standing in the center. I can't see what it says on the, on the bottom, but at the top it says smack him down. And it just felt Stan Lee-ish to me. I love, I just love the production design through all this. It's so fantastic. Um, and there are posters everywhere. We're going to talk about uh, more here in just a moment, because now we're going inside the recruitment center. Have any of you stood on a device like this? It's a, it's like a little platform on the ground with a, a pressure-sensitive uh, plate. And when you stand on it, it, it you know turns a light on, basically, that shines on your face, illuminating it to reflect in a, a, a figure. In this particular case, it's an uh, army figure with a black face. And not blackface, it's just a black, <laughs> empty face. And the light shines on your face, and it your face fills in the, the missing information there. And it's a recruitment uh, poster, really, is what it is. It's, it's, and I can't remember what it says on the top, but it's basically like, um, you know, enlist now. It's just another opportunity to do this. But have any of you seen this sort of thing or stood on these sorts of things? No, I've never seen this. Yeah, thing. never. Have you? I, I feel like I have. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I've totally done one of those things before. But I for the life of me, I tried doing some research on, like, what do you call this thing? Where do you find these things? I couldn't find anything. And I just feel like it's one of these things that must have been around in kind of periods of history that, that people were using for these sorts of things. Like, it's a, a thing that you'd go to, like, at the fair or something. And I, I don't think it was an army thing, but it was one of those things that I feel like I had actually, you know, stood on and seen myself in. And so... Um, I don't know. I'm just very curious now because I want to know more about them in if it's just a delusion that I have or if it was a real thing. So it seems like something that would be at like at a fun house or something, because like you, you saw the little pedestal exactly. he stands on it's mm-hmm. like diamond plate. And even I'm looking at this and thinking to myself, well, you know, you could do what this is probably is like it's a painting on a glass 
and then there's a mirror behind the part that's not painted to give that effect like your face is in it, right? And that's how you'd get that darkness and stuff in the spot that's not there. Yeah, like this seems like something that totally would have existed, but I couldn't I tried to find stuff too. There's nothing I don't know, we're not searching for the right words, I guess, but like nothing's <laughs> yeah, like this. Right. I will say though, the the, the thing to of note of this scene and the scene right before this where they are going up to the entrance to the recruitment center, these are the two sequences that they chose to represent Captain America in the Endgame trailer. Oh. If you go all the way back to when Endgame was being promoted, and that was like the big, like, it's all coming circle. Oh. Yeah. This yeah. was the moment that they they used to represent Captain America. And I think that's very interesting, this pivotal idea of him fully aspiring this aspirational moment of the character all that he's been through you've seen him beaten up you've seen all this stuff happen and he's like wow i am never gonna be enough and this is on the cusp of where he truly is enough because it's inside yeah yeah and you can this is much more obviously the sepia tone because everything is brown like you can yeah. really see yeah. it much more clearer here than you can later. and like when they get to war then all of a sudden that veneer will sort of drop away but we're still in that sort of newsprinting nostalgia sort of time mm-hmm. yeah very kind of very much so uh your point rob is great about the fact that you know this is that moment and, and he's trying to fill the shoes of this big tall soldier but you know it, i mean his nose barely pops out uh in that in that uh, face when we see it it's a great way to kind of show us who Steve is, who he wants to be, who he sees himself as, but also how the world sees him at this particular point in time. Totally. Well, and and obviously how he sees the world in his next step, which is about five yeah. inches too short. <laughs> right. I, I love that reflection. Like, like somehow this shows how small a, a person he is physically, and yet he still sees himself in the shell of that soldier. That's yet another. I mean, we start. We opened the week with this, like how he sees himself. I think this is a really powerful visual. Well, and this is a visual that, uh, you know, will return in the Captain America films of, you know, Steve going into this sort of sacred hall with these sorts of images. And it becomes very much kind of a, a thread of, of how people see heroes and how heroes, you know, see themselves and all of that. And I think there's a lot of power to the imagery that they choose to use. Um, I did find the words that are at the top of this, at least in the original art that they had come up with uh, for the production design, it actually says at the top, do you see yourself in this man's army? I think it's a great way to kind of do that kind of enlistment thing where you do you see yourself in this man's army and it's you. And, you know, it's, it works well to kind of sell it to the people. And it's cute. You see the, the guy stand before Steve, seeing his face in there and smile, and his girlfriend's so like, handsome. come on, soldier. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. Very cute. I can't you, find... Is he credited anywhere? I, I looked for, come on, soldier boy. I looked for both of them also. <laughs> and I, I have a feeling that her line, because she says it, you know, kind of in the shadows. You can't really see. I, I think that it may just be 80 yard. So, sadly, no idea who the two of them are. I just like to call her the, the come on, soldier girlfriend. <laughs> uh so steve uh fails and try uh fails his attempt bucky finds him he of course knows exactly where steve went and there's a little confrontation between these two guys bucky uh, seems a little upset at steve you know this is what steve always apparently does he kind of bails and uh, you know as he says you're missing the point of a double date and uh but he wants to go through and try enlisting again as he says well it's a fair i'm going to try my luck 
you know, it's kind of a cute reason, I suppose, but it speaks to how this guy just won't quit. What do you think of this conversation between the two of them, these two guys here? I feel like it's a fight they've had many times. Like, this is like, again? You're doing this again? Uh, yeah, it, it, it goes back to the, showing the history of these two, that it's like not the first time that uh, Steve has gone into something he probably he ultimately failure, and Bucky's tried to talk him out of it and failed. It, it's mostly it's a utilitarian, uh, uh, you know, functional conversation. Yes, it's one they've had before. They're not having the conversation for each other. They're having the conversation for us. So we get the doctor eavesdropping. Yeah. Don't you also get a little bit, too? I think I think this is a nice little development of Bucky's character in that. OK, at this point, you know, a normal person would be like, OK, that's enough of you. Go away. I, we had you had a shot with this girl. I did this for you. You know what I mean? Like and yet he's not. It's not this whole like I'm sick of this. Yeah, here we go again. You know what I mean? There's a very different tone of that, and I like that. Plus, I mean, Ohio. Is Ohio better than New Jersey? Eh, who knows? <laughs> Steve from Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it plays well for the characters, for both of them. We really get a sense of, of who these guys are. And, and Bucky, you know, he is really at this place where he just, you know, he's, he's, it's his last night. He really wants to go out and have some fun before he is shipped off. But Steve just can't let this go. I like how he really is that dog who just can't let go of the bone. And he's he's going to do it. And I love that there's also kind of this callback to Timmy uh, with, that we saw in the newsreel. He's like, what do you want me to do? Collect scrap metal in my little red wagon? <laughs> uh, that's a great line. I just love that bit. Um, Rob, you mentioned this is where we uh, meet somebody. Actually, Rob and Pete, both of you, talked about uh, this person that we meet, Dr. Abraham Erskine, who uh, is who happens to be wandering through here. I guess he's just hanging out at the uh, this particular recruitment center. I'm not sure why we I, I don't know if he's wandering from recruitment center to recruitment center trying to find somebody or what but he's wandering through the halls here and stumbles into this this is of course stanley tucci before we start talking about this character gentlemen stanley tucci imdb game what do you think of the four films stanley tucci is listed as being known for oh boy i would say hunger games probably right yeah uh, uh big night mm, probably okay. um I feel like he was, wasn't he? I think it's, I, yeah. Was he a rom? I feel like he was in one of the rom coms. What, Devil Wears Prada or something? Wasn't he? He wasn't Devil Wears Prada. Loins. Wasn't that him? He was, yep. So that's my, that, that's, uh, and I don't know. And the other one would, this? <laughs> so Big this. Night, he's got the cooking with Big Night. I know cooking is so big. What was his other cooking one? Wasn't he in another one about the kitchen? Mm, there was, yeah, they did sort of a quasi sequel. And, yeah. and that also was his directorial debut. So I right. mean, yeah. Okay. So this, um, obviously, Captain America: First Avenger. Okay. Right. I mean, uh, gentlemen, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying yes or no yet. I'm waiting to. No, no, no. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm saying to them. Okay. All right. So this. Oh yeah, I'm saying uh, yes. Hunger. Yes. The first Hunger Games. Yeah. Um, maybe the problem is, wasn't he also in? Um, what was that one about the Boston newspaper, the priest sex scandal? Uh, Spotlight. Spotlight. Is that was that big enough? I didn't like that movie, so I try. I don't know. I I was an island on that movie. Um, <laughs> I was a rock, so <laughs> I got it. Okay, good. Um, okay, I, I, yeah, okay. So we'll go. What are we doing? Hunger Games, this movie, uh, Big Night, and um, Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada. I'd vote All for right. the core. I'd vote for the core. The core. Oh, the core. Got it. God, I love the core so much, but no. Oh my God, was oh, he yeah. in that? Yeah. I totally, he yeah, he totally forgot. Ship, but... 
Yeah. Lest, lest we forget, I just watched Stanley Tucci in Patient Zero. Mm. And I, I guarantee you <laughs> that movie's did. not in his top four. But wow. He got his start in 1985 in Pritzi's Honor. He was yeah. just a soldier. That's crazy. Oh. Uh, the four films that it's that's known for. Good job with Big Night. That's the first okay. film that he's listed for. Spotlight. You should have stuck with that one. Uh, that's number two. You had it. These next two, uh, The Lovely Bones. I don't. Oh, I guess yeah. I remember yeah. him in that one. God, wow. that was crazy. That yeah, that kind of disappeared. And then Julie and Julia. Oh, the Julia Child. Um, one of one of the okay. many films he's done with Meryl Streep. Never bet against the rom com, I guess. But wow, Lovely Bones. Yeah, that I, I would not think that had any cultural at cachet. Well, that's the crazy IMDb huh. algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows okay. why? Maybe it's because it became such kind of a, a joke. Oh, no, you know? I'm not saying nothing wrong. It's a movie. It's just like it's one of those things where you go Lovely Bones. People go, oh, but no Hunger Games at all. He was in all no of the Hunger, Hunger Games, Games movies, no. I think. And hmm, yeah. interesting. And Hunger Games often floats to the top. So yeah, it's an interesting lineup for him yeah. uh, to see. Uh, but yes, he's playing Dr. Abraham Erskine. Thoughts on this character? Uh, what is, what's your history with him? Uh, what do you think of how he's portrayed here, gentlemen? This is the best uh, Erskine of everybody. Because like, I think he, he appears and dies very quickly in the comics. If I remember, he is like is dead by the end of the, his first appearance. Well, the first, I mean, the comic, when we meet Captain America, I mean, it's literally at the experiment, right? Yeah. They have this this puny guy, and and then Erskine gets killed right away. So, right. Yeah, the whole it point is, is that so quick. there's only one Captain America. Like, his whole job yeah. is to die so that the, the formula dies with him. So this was, I think, a brilliant move of doing this, and putting Tennis Tucci in, it just makes it that much better. I think that he's he's one of the great mentors in all of the MCU because he makes so much with such a small amount of screen time. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Stanley Tucci wanted to take this part because he had not done a German accent before. <laughs> 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 Whatever it takes, right? Actors and their reasonings. I yeah. love it. It's like, yeah, that would be fun. That'd be fun. Um, in well, the it's comics... A, it's pretty good. It's a good... It doesn't take me out of the movie, right? No, he does He does great yeah. with it. I love his accent in here. I, I like... He does, and he does a soft German accent, and I appreciate yeah. that, that he wasn't trying to be like... Well, what we need in this war is like no. He's like, yeah, he's, I like the way he sedate. says Nazis. Yeah, want to kill Nazis. Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Um, he invented the super soldier serum in the comics. Um, also, he's known as Doctor Reinstein. Mm-hmm. Possibly an Einstein connection there. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and, there was and, kind of that. And it could be that Stanley forgot what he named him the first time because uh, yeah, that happens exactly. Exactly. Who knows? Um, but what's great, and you guys should appreciate this, is when we're in The Incredible Hulk, Ross sees uh, his name oh, on yes. the can of Super Soldier Serum. That's right. We talked about that. Yeah. And and also we had a big discussion about how how did he get that? Because right. they, they, like, you know, there is no Super Soldier Serum. So how, yeah. what is that stuff? So. Well, and that's – yeah, I was really hoping that they had found a way to kind of like show – at some point, like one roll under a cabinet or something that they find or something to save later that they end up using. But yeah, it's it's a strange, again, this, this that's one of those moments where studios are crossing over and nothing is exactly uh, kind of clean. It very much feels like all the comic book, the, you know, the reasoning that they come up with in comics anyway. So to yeah. that end. Yeah. So if you go back is. to what season two of uh, in Incredible Hulk, somewhere in eh, somewhere on the hour mark or so, I think it's like right, it's before... Um, that we that the abomination the the origin begins so that they we 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 had a, a long deep dive into the what it could possibly be yeah yeah I think and I think what it comes down to is probably 
Cap's blood, like from later on in this movie. Because they show there's a whole scene, yeah, probably in the, somewhere in the twenties. I think it's coming. We won't be here for it, but uh, that they show there's a bunch of vials they're taking of his blood right after he's been transformed. And I, I would imagine right. probably one of those was what they ended up you know, rejiggering, preserving. Yeah, 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 and yeah, then, yeah. yeah, and then re working the formula to to create the abomination. Who will be showing up in a in a future Marvel project? So, uh, yeah, several. Yeah. We've got a few now. Yeah, he did a cameo in Shang-Chi. Exactly, exactly. So we've got this great little chit-chat between these two guys, and Erskine is kind of just eavesdropping. This, I mean, it's going to be critical because we need our hero to speak heroically, to to be the guy that we all know Captain America is, right? I mean, that's exactly what this is happening here. And uh, and Erskine has to hear it because he needs reason to recruit this. I mean, it's all just plot mechanics that we have going on right now. Yes. But it plays okay. Like, it actually works. You know, I mean, if as long as you don't think, like, why is Erskine just randomly walking around? You know, it just, it's so happenstance, uh, but it ends up just playing really nicely. I love, and maybe it's just because I love watching Stanley Tucci play this part so much. Well, I think so. You have to give up a lot, though. To your point, like, we can't underscore how much you have to give up. Why is the head of this research division at the fair, at the expo? <laughs> like, there isn't, a like, a more secret lab? We know there's a more secret lab where he should be. Like, this is a, this is one of those things that you have to stop. You don't have to stop and think about, because if you do... It, it might not make the most sense. This is a showpiece, this recruitment center. It, I don't get the feeling that the head of any sort of research division should be standing here. All right. Well, okay. Then counterpoint, I would say this might be the most popular of all the recruitment thing because this is the World's Fair. Everyone in New York is coming over to this. So this actually might be a huge cross-section of New York coming in and 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 stopping by. So... I mean, maybe he's he's there for that. So you think the Tooch the Tooch needs to just wander the halls of the of the World's Fair? <laughs> yeah, I th- well, I think he's he's looking because he's not looking like like as we see later, he's not looking for Johnny Squarejaw. He's not looking for Bucky. You know, he's looking for something else, and so I think having sort of having him there. I mean, you're right; it is a convention, and it is you know, it, it is uh, movie magic and that kind of stuff. But I don't think it's that out of reason that he would be here yeah i think the way you would take that is is that i think he is looking for the subject that he that exhibits the qualities he's looking for when they don't know anyone's looking yeah right because it's it's not even in this moment yeah you know to sneak preview for the next minute in this moment it's not that's my guy it's that's interesting interesting right yeah 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 well, it does play as like almost like a casting director, right? Like mm-hmm. this right. is a casting director who's right. seen he's casting a kid for a movie and he's seen thousands of kids and they're, yeah. they're none of them quite have that magic spark. And he's just yes. like, I need a cigarette break. I need to go, you know, he, this, just walk he around is and Chris do something. Columbus looking for and, Harry Potter. <laughs> and he's trying to <laughs> first I was like thinking like, are we going to a totally different U.S. reference as far as Christopher Columbus? No, but no. no. Totally different. Director of uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Oh, excuse me. The Sorcerer's Stone, because (laughs) we can't necessarily do a philosophy, because that would scare all the children away. Big word. Yeah, we don't have those big words here in the United Mm -hmm. States. I think you guys are way too generous for this convention, (laughs) but I'll let it stand, (laughs) Counselor. It's it is a weird thing, but I but I like the idea, and I guess this is where my brain has landed. Is it, it's you know he is 
really trying to recruit for this very particular person. And he's seen thousands of soldiers. And he's just, he's like at this point, he's like, you know, I'm just going to wander around and hope I find that person who who uh, has the magic. And, and this is that moment of that casting director seeing that, uh, you know, uh, who was the famous actress who was found just eating ice cream, sitting in a uh, uh, an ice cream shop? Um, was it Lana Turner or I think so, one yeah. of those Marilyn Monroe? I don't know. But it's like that moment where it's like that he sees that person. And so I guess that's what we're trying to create here. And to that end, you know, I, I end up buying into it. it. It ends up being, you know, it's okay. It's fine. It's what needs to happen for the movie to work. I, I'll buy it. I'll let it go. I promise. You'll I'll let, let it, it go. I'm, I'm you, oversold already. It's fine. Right, Toots right. can, be, can be scouting. <laughs> He's stalking. He's looking for the Silk Stockings Brigade. Um, any last comments on this conversation between these two gentlemen, Bucky and Steve here? Yeah, this is this is a, a Bucky. Does he, he leaves in this minute, right? This is he's uh, not quite. No, okay. not quite. This is we're, at the end of this minute. Steve is still trying to pitch to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still kind this of. This isn't about me. Yeah, I've got no right to do any less than them. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's so patriotic. Oh. I mean, so you know, patriotic. Sometimes, right. sometimes you wonder if like the patriotism take is taken a little too far. But you know, it's, it ends up being okay for the character. But we're still only fourteen minutes in the movie, and we still just met Steve. All we know, know is that he was kicked out from the thing. He, is, he <laughs> punched a guy and got punched a lot, and now he's just trying to get again to get it. It's been minutes. Bad with women. This is a guy who's really he's really patriotic. Yeah. Pete so patriotic. <laughs> Lost a shot with Bonnie. Yeah, gave peanuts to a kid. Uh, Hardcore. Peanuts. He had the wrong peanuts for Bonnie. Mm-hmm. It's all I tell about you. the peanuts. No peanuts for Bonnie. <laughs> um, there were. I had a few notes on some posters that we see. There's the "I Want You" poster again. Um, on the there is also a uh, "Man the Guns Join the Navy" poster that we see in the back. That was by McClelland Barclay, 1942. And the other one, which I found really interesting, it says "Enlist Now, U.S. Marine Corps." And it shows uh, like five soldiers walking through a swamp. This, and if you look at, if you find this poster online, there was a whole series of these posters that they had created. These enlist now posters for the Marines, highlighting different victories. This particular one is highlighting Guadalcanal, and in the little box in the center, it says America's World War II ground offensive began August seventh, nineteen forty-two, when the first Marine Division reinforced landed at Guadalcanal through rivers, swamps, and steaming jungle. The rugged, resolute Marines fought on until this first great stepping stone to Japan was won. And uh, it was actually a 1945 poster, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do at this point? Um, what I love about this, so the artist is Tom Lavelle, or Lovell, I guess. I'm not exactly sure. He was very famous for doing all sorts of uh, art. He did a whole bunch during World War II, all of these. But if you look at the stuff that he did, he did tons of covers for pulp novels, like all these detective novels and like the Dime Mystery Magazines, Bride of the Mummy sorts of things. Like the sorts of stuff that he did, it was so fun to just like look at, like the shadow, gangster stories, detective tales, uh, all these different things. It was it's like fantastic going down the rabbit hole of Tom Lovell and all of the fantastic art that he did. A true American. True American. Um, that's the last thing I had for this minute. Did any of you have any last little bits? No. Oh, nope. I got nothing. No. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, well, let's wrap this up. Kyle and Rob, thanks again. And uh, will you both be able to join us again tomorrow to close out the week for Minute 15? But of course. We can do this one more time. <laughs> one more time. 
Fantastic. Well, everybody, remember, we do have a merch store. You can uh, check out what the Marvel Movie Minute has to offer. Go to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and just click on merch. It's right there. It's very easy to do. And uh, Pete, that's it for me. So uh, thanks again. I could do this all day. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega. And this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. <laughs>